And so I've been trying to really find a way that aligns with my goals and my story of how to tell, how to teach people with my story. I'm pleased to have Hakeem Calwood, who's a 26-year-old freelance illustrator designer from Columbus, Ohio. His work ranges from painting, animation, and teaching. His long-term goal is to create self-sustaining, educational, hands-on visual art workspaces. His inspiration in art began with Marvel Comics, hand-me-downs from his older brothers. So, so far, he's completed a couple of comic books and painted for companies such as Toyota, Sprite, and Facebook. And he's got some work here at Gravity, which I love. I became a big fan of Hakeem's. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hakeem became a full-time visual artist in early 2017 and sells and commissions paintings on canvas, digital, and creates animations. In the last few years, Hakeem has shown in many gallery shows, art events, and created murals around the country, including an art talk about how politics and current events affects artists and their work, and winning an Addy for a mural. His goal is to finish more story-driven comic and animations of his original characters, Space Boy and Space Girl, which I definitely want to talk to you about. For sure, for sure. As you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in on this with you. So we'll get to that, but welcome. It's awesome to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's super cozy in here. Yeah, it's nice. It's good vibe, right? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's still coming together, but um, feels good. It's good to have it here at Gravity, and it's great to have you at Gravity. That's how I got to know you, was your work here. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you've got a great story. It's been one that touched me when I first heard it. After um, meeting you here, I knew I wanted to spend some time with you. You came up to me, I think, and we both kind of felt like maybe there was something more for us to do. And it was awesome to hear your story. So I'm excited to have you here today to share that with our audience. Thanks. I'm excited too. Where do you want to start at? Yeah, well, let's start at the beginning. Okay. Um, let's just kind of go right to the very beginning. Where were you born? Kind of tell me about your earliest childhood memories. I was born over here on OSU East, which is funny because I live close to there now. So okay. there, I can see what place where I was born. It's kind of like eerie. Mm-hmm. I'm from uh, Columbus, east side of Columbus. But my dad was from the Virgin Islands. He was born in St. Thomas and lived in St. Croix. So I did a lot of living back and forth there. So earliest I can really remember is living in the Virgin Islands. I went to like preschool and kindergarten there. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can remember, I went to private schools then. So I can remember not being able to read by kindergarten. So they didn't want to let me into the school that I was supposed to go to. <laughs> and then my teacher, Miss Maynard, was like, I'll teach him how to read. And then, you know, never stopped since then. That's great. So, so what was that like? And what was the connection to the Virgin Islands? How did that kind of unfold for your father? I don't know for sure, but I do know that there's like Caribbean people and like island people that do live in here. Mm-hmm. One reason people always come here is for OSU, of course. Mm-hmm. Some people come from all over the world for OSU. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly the connection there, but my dad isn't the only one from the family that lives in Columbus. Like mm-hmm. my aunt lives here and my other aunt used to live here. And what did your dad do? He was uh, an attorney. Mm. So before he was an attorney, he was a sheriff or something like that. This is... Him being a sheriff was before I was even born. Mm-hmm. So I but he was practicing that. law when you were a kid, yep. both here and yep, uh, maybe, in the islands? Yeah, mainly there. Mm-hmm. He worked at a law firm, one of his best friends. Mm-hmm. And um, he would travel for work and stuff too. 
And, and so, was it you and did you have siblings? Yeah, I have way older siblings. So mm-hmm. my oldest, my closest sibling of age is 13 years older than me. That's my brother on my mom's side. And then on my dad's side, I have my sister Narisha and my brother Dwayne. And I think Dwayne is like 50 now mm-hmm. and I'm 26. So mm-hmm. we got a pretty interesting age group. Yeah. So what was it like, you know, kind of going back and forth, living in Columbus, living in the islands, you know, as a kid, your family. Tell me a little bit about like the, the family dynamic that you grew up in. And, you know, it was kind of weird going so far and then coming back. It was like I was living in two different lives. So it kind of like, I enjoyed it. It wasn't weird to me. It was weird on the outside looking in. But, you know, as a kid, I've always been flying and stuff back and forth. So I, I was just used to it. Mm-hmm. And but, how about your mother? What was what was she like? Um, she's interesting. She would, um earlier in my life, though, she was always there. So mm-hmm. it would be like me and her and my dad. Or sometimes when I'm living here, it would be me and her. And my mm-hmm. dad would still be in the islands. Mm-hmm. Your parents were together as they a They were child? together on and off. They yeah. got married and divorced like six times. <laughs> <laughs> I literally actually <laughs> married and divorced and then remarried. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Wow. That's awesome. So, and, and how long did that go on for? I mean, into your, into your young adult life, were they kind of together on and off? I feel like they were together on and off up until my dad passed, mm-hmm. which was when I was 18. So for my, almost my whole life. And, and so before we talk about your father passing, tell me a little bit about kind of, what you were like, you know, as a kid, you know, what was kind of inside of you? What kind of influence were your parents having on you? Or, or you know, kind of what, what were your interests then? Were you always interested in art? I wasn't interested in art, but I was interested in comics and video games and cartoons. And those are art. Mm-hmm. But I didn't register it as art. I wasn't like, right. I didn't know anything about fine arts or anything. I wasn't really exposed to a lot of local art or mm-hmm. like the act of making art. Mm-hmm. And especially not the act of like making art for a living. I didn't really know that that was the thing. Mm-hmm. So you were just normal kid that was interested in comics and yep, just kind of like very soft spoken, way more shy, mm-hmm. way less charisma and charm. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and and do you see kind of any influence from your parents in that? Or yeah, for sure. My <laughs> my mom was definitely a bookworm, mm-hmm. and my dad was definitely way more outspoken and stuff. So mm-hmm. I can see how. As I got older, reflecting on both of them would kind of combine and make me who I am now. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot and, of sense. and where were you going to school um, here in, in Columbus? So I was in Virgin Islands. I was in St. Croix for like to like kindergarten. In like first and second grade, I lived with my grandmother in Tennessee, McMinnville, Tennessee on a farm. Mm-hmm. So that was boring. <laughs> it would be cool now. I'm older. I'm way more chill. Right. But it was just like me and her and we had goats and chickens and like corn. And you were how old? Oh, however old you are in first and second grade. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, it was terribly boring. Yeah, and I that's... wanted to watch TV and so I would have to watch her shows. I watched uh-huh. a lot of Walker's Texas Ranger, <laughs> a lot of um, MASH. I really couldn't comprehend MASH in yeah. the heat of the night. Uh-huh. Like yeah. all that stuff was like burnt into my brain. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's funny. And then third Around like third grade, I think my parents asked me where I wanted to live. It was interesting to ask a kid that mm-hmm. age, but mm-hmm. I guess that's a, I guess that's important to live where you want to live. Sure, if, if that's the option. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, most most kids don't get that choice. Mm-hmm. But um, and so what what where, what did you choose? I picked here. I picked back here in Columbus, and that was it. They let you just come back here. Mm-hmm. So me and my mom, my my dad got a house out here, and me and my mom stayed in it. What was it about Columbus? Was it just I wanted to get off the farm? Like, 
I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, oh no, I could. Yeah. I would rather have gone anywhere. Yeah, the bar. Yeah, love my grandmother. Right. <laughs> I was just so bored. Yeah, I think that's another thing that kind of sparked my creativity because I had to make some stuff happen. Uh huh. Yeah, I had to entertain myself somehow. Yeah, I bet that's interesting. So, so what did you do? Like, where were those early creative sparks? I don't know. I just was like daydreaming a lot. Mm-hmm. I still really didn't get make hands on things yet. I mm-hmm. probably didn't do that until like middle school or something. Mm-hmm. So I came back here and I went to another private school, went to Bryce Christian Academy, like third and fourth grade. I just wanted to be back here around like my cousins and my families and my friends. When you move back and forth a lot, it's harder to keep friends. Sure. Yeah, the daydreaming thing is just a, a interesting thing. I want to kind of just you know click mm-hmm. on because you know I think it's true for a lot of people um, at a young age. I know for me, I used to daydream. I still do. Mm-hmm. I get kind of like lost in thought. My meditations help me a lot with that. But daydreaming was something I used to kind of disassociate from, you know, whatever chaos was going on in my life. And there wasn't a lot of value in it mm-hmm. um, from the outside world. You know, in fact, my dad used to yell at me to like stop daydreaming, you mm-hmm. know, like, I remember like that being a thing, even in school, I think teachers, you know, would use the, yeah. that language, like stop daydreaming, pay right, attention, get your head out of the clouds. right? Right. Yeah. You know, pay attention, get your head out of the clouds. So yet, you know, the, the, the creative power in the, in the thought sometimes, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it can just be a form of disassociating, but sometimes it can actually be of tremendous value. Did you see that for yourself as you were doing that? Did you understand that? No Does way. It, yeah. I had no clue. I was just, you know, I was living, doing me. Right. But, you know, they say that um, smartphones are taking away our ability to daydream. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe that, but I get the point. Yeah. It's like a talking topic. It's like, uh, wow, those times that you would used to have to look around in the sky. Right. Now you can kind of feel it with anything. Maybe yeah. some news articles, maybe... Yeah, I hear you. And I'm not so sure. I mean, I I have mixed feelings on that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, and I get like at that point, you're just daydreaming. You're not really thinking about it. You're unconscious. But in in hindsight, were there any like, you know, ideas or sparks or, you know, kind of like creative thing that you can like look back on and say, I've been I've been using that or like it it helped me kind of get to where I am? Yeah, um, just like the the urge to like come up with stuff or come up with ideas to entertain myself. Mm-hmm. So I never really find myself bored, mm-hmm. especially now doing freelance. There's always something I should be doing. There's always mm-hmm. a project or something I should be working on. Mm-hmm. So I really shouldn't say I'm bored out loud. Mm-hmm. But just in general, I'm like, I've always been, it's always been easy for me to entertain myself. Mm-hmm. And and were you learning to channel that at all? Or is that something that comes much later? Yeah, that comes, well... That comes later. That probably comes really like um, during like grade school and me trying to like kill some time, especially like in high yeah. school, our class were all hour long. Yeah. I'm like if I could like daydream for 25 minutes, <laughs> that's a, a quarter of the class gone. Right. Then I'll work for 15 minutes. I'm almost done. Right. Right. It was about being done. I, I yeah. know the feeling. I was definitely using it wrong, but still using it. Yeah. So you tell me then, you know, Con, what, what were the big profound moments in your life and your upbringing, like along the way, you know, what, what really did shape you? What kind of poked you, shift you, pushed you, shaped you to kind of start to become the young man that you are? I would say the moving around a lot helped me a lot because I saw a lot of perspectives. Mm-hmm. So there were times where I had a lot of money. There was times I had no money. There was times 
I hung out with people that looked this way and acted this way. There's times I did the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, I lived on a farm and kicked it with animals for a while. So I, I've seen a goat in person. Mm-hmm. So I just have like a, that, that wide range of perspective makes me very accepting towards things and towards people. And I think that's why people accept me too. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that urge to like try to fit in to places because I know everybody's different. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like a, that's probably the biggest thing that helps me in life. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I can see that in you, you know, it's clear you're, you're your own person too. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't fit into any particular mold and all of that, you know, appears to kind of um, help shape you to be who you uniquely are. Um, and it comes across, I think it comes across in your, in your artwork too. Thanks. Tell me, so your, your father passes, what happens? How old are you? That Share was, that story. Um, so I started doing art probably like halfway through high school. I was probably like 14-ish or something like that. And I'd already done, before I did like visual arts, I'd already did like poetry and writing in middle school because I've just read a lot and that type of deal and this kind of stuff my mom would try to push me towards. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, I started doing a drawing, but I also continued to do the poetry. I was like on the poetry slam team. Mm-hmm. So I started really starting to use the artwork and kind of seeing where I wanted to be in life. And I knew I wanted to get out of the city for a while, like go to a school anywhere, just to kind of escape problems I was having at home. Mm-hmm. Me and my mom were beefing a lot. Mm-hmm. I graduated in June of 2011, and I went to Cincinnati in July of 2011 to go to school, go to art school. Mm-hmm. I went to Art Institute of Cincinnati. Would not recommend. It doesn't exist anymore. Okay. All right. But um, well, well, and I know we're gonna, you know, get to you know, mom and dad, but. Just tell me a little bit about that. Like, what was it that was that was so um, you wouldn't recommend the school? Yeah. What about the experience? Oh, was it was just you- like um, I don't know. There were very good people there and that worked there, but the school structure itself seemed kind of like shady. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a part of why it doesn't exist anymore. Mm. What so, was shady about it? It didn't seem. I don't know if it was accredited. I'm pretty sure it wasn't accredited. Uh-huh. It definitely seemed like um, they're trying to draw you in. Just to get your money. Yeah. Like they were like, um, you know, you got to do portfolios and stuff to get into art school. And it seemed like they were just accepting everybody, including me. Mm-hmm. Mine wasn't great either. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really comprehended. I think a rejection might have been better for me mm-hmm. at that time. Because mm-hmm. then I would have like really figured out what I'm trying to do. And mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. We got it. All right. So you're working your way through this program that's, that's not. Yeah, you know, it's not for me. I'm yeah. still trying to make the best of it. And then I'm planning on coming back to the city because I had the house still for my dad and before and it's like I'm going to leave in like a couple weeks or something like that and then my dad passes like mm-hmm. and they call me and my cousin comes over mm-hmm. it happened overnight he was at my aunt's house he was in Columbus mm-hmm. and I was in Cincinnati and just like my whole world fell apart yeah because he had always been the rock in my life yeah especially because me and my mom are beefing mm-hmm. so and were your parents together at that time no they weren't together yeah and what happened? And I'm not sure. He had already been sick, I think. And he was kind of, he was very private about that type of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably just a part of him taking care of so many people and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't somebody that was sharing yeah. everything that was going on with right, him. Especially. Trying to be strong. Yep. Yeah. Being strong for a lot of people. Just having to be really strong for me, mm-hmm. you know, just my whole life at the time. So I couldn't really comprehend. He had to be strong for a lot of other people too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And what was going on with your mom at the time? You she had just been drinking. She had mm-hmm. been heavy drinking for a long time. I could just like, 
and she would let she would allow it to take it to places that were just unacceptable for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. at a young age, and it caused us to beef a lot. And but it caused me to have problems with like authority because mm. I would argue with her even when she's right. Mm-hmm. If she's been drinking too much, I'm gonna argue with her as if she's wrong. Like mm-hmm. I'm taking advantage of this now too, just because mm-hmm. I'm upset. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I shook that off. Though. Yeah, I try to like volunteer a lot, and keep myself humble. Uh huh. Especially freelance, I try to make sure I work for somebody else too to remember what it's like to be an employee. Yeah, and to be in charge. Yeah, tell me about that. So you know, you you say you you shook it off, and you know, it's 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 probably not been that simple, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, you had some traumatic stuff happening, you know, mm-hmm. your mom's drinking, your dad passes away, you know, you've moved around a lot, you know, trying to figure out who you are. I mean, that can be really, really difficult in life. And, you know, as we said, kind of before we got started here, you know, part of the reason that I'm kind of poking you on this and, and wanting you to share this story is because you're not alone. Right. This is a story people have, right? People have lost, they have addiction, they have, you know, moving around and trying to get settled and figure themselves out. So, you know, and I know you are doing a lot of really, really good work and you have, you know, as you said, shaken it off, mm-hmm. um, you know, to some degree, I, I, you know, I don't know, you know, we're always kind of shaking it off, but how did you do that? You know, what was, what, what was it that got you to even want to do that instead of, you know, kind of going down a different path? You know, I don't know. I've never really been like a... I, guess, I won't say I've never been a quitter, but I'm not one to just stay down when I'm down. Mm-hmm. And um, I always had a good, strong group of friends, like a lot of us, that will always support each other. So one person is going to have to speak at some convention. At least you have at least five people that's going to come because mm-hmm. there's so many of us that are tight friends that support each other. Mm-hmm. And even though they didn't exactly understand the things I was going through, my friends were always there to help me, always there to listen help out with a couple of dollars, like whatever I needed. So mm-hmm. it was, what it did was it made me never, I was never able to say I'm alone in this. I was never able to say nobody's got my back mm-hmm. or stuff like that. Stuff you want to say when you want to like, I don't know, kick yourself while you're down. I couldn't honestly say that because mm-hmm. that would be rude to them. Mm-hmm. And you know, the kind of responsibility of being a good friend definitely helped me out. Mm. Yeah, so you just surrounded yourself with really kind, good people that were there for you. And then- mm-hmm did the same for them. And that's really been the thing that's kind of pulled you through all along. Yeah, it's helped so much. And people that know me like locally from like the arts things or like the art shows, they know my friends always come to my shows. We always a bunch of us. We always have a lot of fun and laugh. It's like Mm -hmm. one of the things, honestly, that's one of the things that helped the momentum of my art career. Mm -hmm. So you don't like, well, Hakeem's having a show. There's bound to be people there. Mm -hmm. So it'd be... You know, people be more open to have me a part of stuff. Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, because it's it's in some ways so simple, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, community, friendship, you know, caring, loving, you know, right. having fun, right? Enjoying, laughing each other, you know, th- those things. They're they're there for us. They're available to us. But you know, it gets complex. It can be tangled up. It can be hard. Mm-hmm. And for you, you just found all the kind of comfort and peace of mind you needed in in that there was never any therapy or any other kind of, you know, way to like unpack some of this trauma. There was. There was, in high school, I know that there was a while where I had like some court mm-hmm. ordered type therapy come mm-hmm. to school like once a week and take me out of class and talk to me. Mm-hmm. And that thing, you know, it was kind of like mixed emotions about that because that definitely helped because mm-hmm. these are people professional yeah. and they know how to help me better. 
but it mm-hmm. also kind of alienated me even more mm-hmm. as if I'm not already alienated enough. Now I'm getting pulled out of class for mysterious reasons. Right. So I feel like, you know, there was a lot of stuff like that where I'm, yeah. I'm being helped by something. It's also taking me away or something like that. Yeah. 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 That's a tough thing because there's some like, oh, you know, the societal kind of pressures and expectations and the, you know, kids and peers and um, the shame or whatever mm-hmm. else kind of gets attached to like, oh, you know, Hakeem's different or right. something's wrong or bad. And, some, and a lot of times those things aren't even like coming from people as much as you think. You get it in your head and you right. think when you hear somebody's laughing, you think they're laughing at you. Right. They're not even looking at you. Right. It's a story we're creating in our head. Yep. That's where the daydreaming can go bad. Yeah. Right. We're like, we're off making something up that may or may not even be true. Mm-hmm. But it's it's sometimes based in our experience and things that we've heard other people say. Or Right, right. It's know. not from nowhere, right. but it is. it can be exaggerated. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I kind of just play it off as if it was easier and simpler to get better, but... I was down bad for a while from like 18 to like, who knows? Within the last few years mm-hmm. is when I'm starting to get like mm-hmm. comfortable. Mm-hmm. My career is already starting to go someplace. Mm-hmm. I've had like, you know, good mentors help me out and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, um, I was definitely a sad boy for a, for a long time. Yeah. I just, I just never gave up. Yeah. I definitely wanted to. Mm-hmm. And you think that comes from from your dad seeing him kind of being strong? Yeah, I would I would assume that for sure. Because yeah. that's like an example of somebody I've seen that continued to, whatever was going on, he continued to push forward and fight and make it look good along the way. Mm-hmm. So tell me, let, let's talk. I mean, it's awesome, by the way. Like, I give you so much credit because like, you, you make it sound pretty smooth and simple. Mm-hmm. And I know that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. And it's also not the path that I think is most common. The easier path in a lot of ways is to kind of fall into a different life than the one that you've chosen. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to keep going that hard work to kind of know you want something for yourself that's, that's you know, feels better, that's lo- in the long run is, is actually in many ways a much harder path. And, you know, that's the path you've chosen. And I give you a ton of credit for it. Thanks. I feel like I just... I feel like this is like, I'm just being myself. This is who I had to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really like, I don't know. I chose to be a freelance, but a part of that was not being able to get the jobs that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, well, I guess I'll have to hire myself then. Yeah, well, tell me, what, what were the jobs that you wanted? Like art world jobs, like working at a gallery or something like that, or mm-hmm. being involved, getting a, like a weekly, bi-weekly paycheck from something involved in art. Mm-hmm. Tattooing. This is one of the things where I tried to be an apprentice for someone and got rejected. But just like I said about the school, it was a good thing that I got rejected because it kind of like, you know, a nice slice of humble pie. And they're like, just go back and work on your stuff and get better. And that's, you know, that's all you got to do is practice. Yeah. And I just went back and did that mm. and got, and, you know, continue to get better. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's one of my probably strongest worldview beliefs is that everything is always happening for our benefit. Right. Even, even when it doesn't appear to be the case, you know, when it's, when, when you think you really want something, you know, it's, it's like the saying you, you, you can't always get what you want, but you always get what you need, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, so you, you think you want these jobs and you think you're supposed to be doing these things, but along the way you're getting pushed 
kind of driven towards the thing that you actually really later figure out is exactly not only what you need, but what you what you what really, you really even want. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You just couldn't see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that happens for me. And it's like, I got a nice healthy combination of like right time, right place and being ready and being responsible and not being a dick. I always try to tell people that like when I talk to students and stuff mm-hmm. or like, they like, well, what's a bit of advice like you can give me? I'm like, you know, show up on time. Mm-hmm. Don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. And that's going to get you farther than a lot of other ideas. You can come up with gimmicks and stuff. So let me ask you, so tell me a little bit about the teaching because, you know, I want to get into your artwork and where you're going. But I mm-hmm. know this, the teaching has been a part of your own healing too, right? Being of service right. and of service to young children and using the arts has been something that has really been beneficial for the kids, but for you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about that a little bit. So my mentor, Brian Moss, is a local artist as well. And he's been teaching forever. He's been doing art freelance forever. And once we we got him, we met through Facebook, how I meet a bunch of people for real. Mm-hmm. And we ended up hanging out and then eventually turned into a working relationship. And he would just, you know, kind of put me on game about the teaching. He's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta, um, what's the word for it? You gotta give back to the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, teaching, somebody's going to teach you too. Mm -hmm. And it's like a steady way of getting paid. Mm -hmm. So it's like knocking off three important things right there. Mm -hmm. And so as I teach, it just makes me feel so good because I've had a a art teacher, Mr. Ramsey in high school, who is super about like being creative and use whatever you want, just produce something, just make something. And he had little rules about like how you're supposed to make your art and stuff. And that was always a good influence to me. And I'm like, if I could... If he affected me and mm-hmm. now I'm doing art full time for almost three years now, then if I can do that for just one to two people, we've already uh, doubled that. Right. And if right. they can do that for two people, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's great. So um, tell me what it, what it is again. It's, um, is it work hard and don't be a dick? What was the first um, one? Show up on time uh, show and up don't on, be a dick. Show up on time and don't be a dick. That's yeah. great. So, and, and how old are these kids? The, the age range is... Um, kind of go up and down. It's been like from elementary to high school. Yeah. And recently I was just talking to some students at OSU about throwing an event. Like mm. kind of just like uh, the class for today was about throwing your own event and grants mm. and stuff. Mm. So. Yeah, there's so much stuff, you know, and maybe you can talk, you know, as a transition maybe into your various, you know, projects that you've been involved with and, and have going on. You know, one of the things that I constantly hear and one of the things that you and I have been talking a little bit about is what artists don't know about the business world mm-hmm. or what they don't know about throwing events, you know, things that will actually be really good for the art itself. Um, you know, artists, you know, have that part down. The rest of it that comes with the the business of art is often not taught or understood. Mm-hmm. I had Melanie Korn on recently from CCAD, and I know they're focusing a lot more on that piece of it. But how have you navigated that? How have you figured that out? You know, what's kind of allowed you to to learn those components? I think coming from the outside in, like I said about those perspectives, I don't, I don't, I don't really think about it as I think about selling art as selling any product except I can generate the product. Mm -hmm. So it's just like selling t-shirts or something, like band tees or something. Mm -hmm. Except, So I I figure, you know, I just break it down on cost of supplies, cost Mm -hmm. of my time, demographic. And then on top of that, you got tenacity. Mm -hmm. So they say like the average sales made on like the 20th attempt. Mm -hmm. But most people are going to stop after like the second or third. 
just because naturally that, that feels better. Right. But then I'll push myself to seven times mm-hmm. and then I might feel uncomfortable at seven times. And then the next time I'll push myself to not, and then there'll be, a, while I'm like consciously working on this, subconsciously I'm working too. So it'll be somebody that's seen me around a bunch of times that finally comes and buys my t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I look at the art business. The same way I look at paintings and stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of like, um, don't romanticize it. Mm-hmm. So I don't hang up a lot of my own work in my apartment because I'm trying to sell it. And that seems like counterproductive. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I don't want to keep it, then I can't sell it. Mm-hmm. Not to say I don't love art, but when it comes to selling art, that's just how I look at it. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. You know, you say you don't romanticize it. You know, you've, you've really taken it on as a business. Mm-hmm. You, you love what you do, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, right? I mean, yeah. You still love the art. You know, you're doing freelance work, you're being commissioned, but the process of the work itself of, of actually, you know, being an artist, do you still love that piece of it? So me and my friend, my close friend, Vern, we both decided to get serious about our crafts. He makes music way back in like 2013. And we started doing goals. We do like a, a heavy list of goals, but the way we do the goals, is like what do you call those rings on a ladder. Mm-hmm. So if the goal is to perform at Bonnaroo, we put that at the top and then we go under that. So the goal under that would be find all the applications for Bonnaroo. Mm-hmm. Something that simple. The mm-hmm. next one is like follow all the people who are in the selection process on social media mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so you just try to, you climb your way up mm-hmm. to your goal. And then even if you don't make it, when you look back down, you see how high you've gotten. You're right. And so last year though, we both decided not to do that. And instead, my goal for the year was try to like fall in love with the process again. Mm. Like, why am I doing it? Who am I doing it for? What's fun? What's not fun? What I want to do? Mm. And definitely not a goal you can just complete in a year. Mm-hmm. But I think I did a good, I think I did a good amount of trying to just enjoy it more, enjoy where it's getting me. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of just like a little struck by what it sounds like is like a lot of just intuitive self-teaching of how to navigate and succeed. Um, is that true? Or is, is somebody along the way giving you the idea to set goals and how to tackle them and, you know, climb that ladder, or, you know, and then then to learn that, you know, maybe that's not it. Is, is this all just kind of coming from inside of you and your own experience? Yeah, I definitely have a lot of help along the way. You know, mm-hmm. I have people like you in my life. I got Brian, I got um, my older brother and stuff like that. But those type of, those specific things you mentioned are things that came from myself. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when I was born, my brother's 13 years older than me. So until I was like 13, I wanted to be him. Mm-hmm. So I would try to do the things he would do. I would read the comics he would read, which mm-hmm. may be like, more advanced than me. I could read a comic before I could read a book because mm-hmm. I can understand the visual language. Sure. Or I'll play the games he would play. And sometimes the games would be like, we would play these like Asian strategy video games, like super impossible to beat type things. Mm-hmm. And since they were above my level, I think they kind of like trigger some of my brain for later. Mm. In the same way, like my dad would also do things like if I wanted a video game, he would make me play an educational video game first mm. and he would make me play the grade higher. So if I'm in third grade, I got to beat the fourth grade educational game. Then I can get the game I want. Mm-hmm. And I'm burning through them because I'm like, I'm trying to play Spider-Man. I'm not worried yeah. about this. Yeah. And so like stuff like that. And so like when I came back from school, when I dropped out of the art institute, I, um, I worked around for a while. I didn't do art for a little while. It was kind of like too emotional for me. But then I kind of set devised a plan. And by 2013, I, my plan was to, I Googled, 
I Googled Columbus art. I mm-hmm. made a list of everything that popped up and mm-hmm. I involved myself in everything. Interesting. So what were some of those things? Franklin Park. I live uh-huh. across the street from Franklin Park. Yeah. Kosai. I got yeah. a job at Kosai. Uh-huh. Short North. I just started hanging out there more. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, lately I've been working out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that. The graduate hotel, mm-hmm. did a class along with that mural. The muralist taught a class. Mm-hmm. Stuff like Ohio Art League. I volunteered for the Ohio Art League. So I you just totally them. immersed yourself in the art world. And and again, you know, I, I think this is maybe something that you take as um, you're normal and I'm just going to like double click on it and emphasize this for other people that are listening. You know, I think you've got this kind of natural instinct, this intuition, this this desire, this, you know, passion that you're following, you know, that you're just kind of like using your mind, your energy to decide how to make shit happen for yourself, mm-hmm. right? And, and you're just being resourceful and you're trusting your instincts and you're going with it, which, you know, might sound kind of, maybe it's, it's, it's like a less trained way, less, you know, kind of formally educated mm-hmm. way, right? Like, you know, I've been to seminars and masterminds and, you know, shit where goal setting and, and planning and organization and tools, right? And, and it's, it can be phenomenally helpful. But I think what I'm hearing you say is really at the end of the day, you're trusting yourself and you're grinding and you're just kind of surrendering as you go along that everything is happening. And I think that's like really powerful, like, and really important to elevate that piece for people to know that like, you don't have to go get some fancy formal Mm -hmm. education or have some, you know, clear goal setting exercise. You can kind of like get in there and figure this shit out. It's inside of you. Oh yeah, there's definitely, and there's resources too. When you, the way I go approach it is like, I try to do something and then when I run into a hiccup and then I like, you know, figure out that problem and then I might step back and look at it again and then tackle it again mm-hmm. and then run into the next hiccup and then fix that problem and come back. And this is really about like tenacity and being passionate. I think anybody can do whatever they want if you're passionate enough though. Mm-hmm. You can't, if, if you're not passionate, maybe that's not what you want. Like you said earlier. Yeah, so tell me, you know, let's get into a little bit of, you know, what you've been up to. Like, let's talk about some of the projects and kind of, you know, the ones that you've been most energized by, what's been most challenging for you as you are now, you know, really a, a working artist in this community. Um, let's see. The So um, I talked about interning with Ohio Art League through my Googles. Mm-hmm. I found Ohio Art League. I interned and that's kind of how I got introduced to like, 400 West Ridge and Urban Scrawl and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, at the same time, I worked at Cosi with a friend and he was like, oh yeah, you do art. Some of my friends do art. I used to work with. Mm-hmm. And those, those were Eric and Dowler over at 129 in Franklinton. And we started doing art shows and stuff there. So from two of those things on my list, I kind of became a part of the Franklinton family mm-hmm. and just working with people. And then Urban Scrawl, Another free event. You paint for free. We all have a blast. They auction off some of the boards later. For, it's a great event. I think right. it's one of the best events in Columbus. Oh, same. Yeah. First time I saw it, it blew my mind. Me I became too. a part of it. Yeah. I did that for like three or four years. Yeah. And like, you know, that's um, some of my most famous pieces amongst my friends came from that. Mm-hmm. And it's also a great event to get people to come to because art seems so stagnant. 
you got to be in like a fancy dressed area mm-hmm. and suited and booted and stand there and just kind of look and think. But you come to Urban Scrawl, we're partying. Right. Kids are there. People are performing. People yeah. are painting and sweating food trucks. Yeah. You're, you're drinking. We're just having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did that. So these are, I've done, so I've worked with my friends over the, at the gallery and I volunteer for free. I interned for free with Art League and I've painted for free for a few years. But that led around to the application for Gravity. Mm. And before we get into Gravity, just tell, talk a little bit more about like, you know, I, I often describe that me coming to Independence Day, Urban Scrawl, these, these, my first exposure to Franklin Tin was like returning home to my high school art room. Mm-hmm. You know, the feeling that I got when I first discovered art really was was walking in, being introduced to high school art. And where I went to school, it was like where all the creatives lived was in that room. And it was, there was an energy to it. There was like a, a, an aliveness that I hadn't felt before. It surprised me because I grew up kind of um, not in a home that really was uh, art centric. Mm-hmm. Um, we were more focused on sports and business and, you know, other things. And um, I discovered the art room and it like woke me up. It was a, a feeling that I hadn't felt before. The people were, were so different. The energy was so different. It was, it was expansive. It was exciting. It was new. It was something that, that felt like a calling. And I often describe finding that in Franklin Tin you know, as, as that same feeling that there's something about the energy of those events, of those people, the way that it's been kind of curated in this community that feels really unique to Columbus, mm-hmm. I think. You know, tell me a little bit about kind of how that feels um, from your standpoint. Yeah, this, um, even though I'm from out east and I love it to death, um, Franklinton, which is ironically on the other, complete other side of town, has been the most welcoming a neighborhood has ever been to me. I didn't even know outside of TV, that neighborhoods like were like a family like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, we walk down to Vanderelli room, we all hang out. Then you can walk down to 400, we all hang out. You can stop at Land Grant and people are from all over the neighborhood in there. You might just, you might be in there for something completely different and meet up with some friends that you worked on a project with years mm-hmm. ago, have some drinks, you know, mm-hmm. or um, just kick it, get some food. It's like a, it's like a, it feels more like a family than a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that sense, and and yeah, we're we're psyched to have you uh, a part of Gravity. Tell me, uh, or, or tell the audience, I should say, you know, kind of how that came about and what so, that's been for you. So, like I was saying about the interning, and I've always like watched movies and like you know, you intern, you get coffees for people, and then that's how you get your foot in the door. Yeah, and that's always how I've done it because I was like, well, you know, movies can't be lying to me, <laughs> so. I interned there and then I volunteered at, well, I guess I worked at Urban Scroll, whatever you call that. Yep. And that led to the application for Here Gravity. Yeah. And parts of the application were, um, do you work or live in Franklinton? Mm-hmm. I did work there. Mm-hmm. I do work there still. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, have you participated in Urban Scroll? So it's like all these things that I've been doing. Yeah. So the Franklinton Arts District, Adam Herman yep. and that group that put the RFP out for the uh, murals of gravity. Want to make sure I get a yeah. plug in for those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that led to me getting that gig, which was a nice amount of money. Mm-hmm. And then that gig led to the other side, which is the same. And that's like, and that led to me meeting you 
And um, y'all invited me to, out to the ribbon cutting. Mm-hmm. Didn't know it was a ribbon cutting either. I don't, <laughs> could have been in the email and I just skimmed past it. Yeah, but yeah. I just was there because I was invited as an artist. Yeah. And, you know, I, like I said, I try to go to things, that tenacity, that continuously meeting people and talking to people. And then I get there and I'll, it's like a bunch of artists, but you can only fit so many artists' names on the postcard. And one mm-hmm. of mine is on there. And I'm like, wow, I would have looked like a jackass if I didn't come to this. <laughs> Which leads yeah. us back to rule two of uh-huh. not being a dick. Right, right. So and then so you I, showed up on time. Showed up on you time. definitely weren't a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and then you were over here like, oh yeah, come over. I want the artist to take a picture too. Yeah. And so now I'm in a picture of um, cutting the ribbon and all my friends think I'm a fancy bigwig now. <laughs> just That's from great. like, you know, just from doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Didn't have to do any weird gimmicks or like, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's an interesting thing because, you know, typically these projects have these ribbon cuttings or, you know, grand openings or whatever. And there's, you know, kind of people um, from the banks or whoever that, you know, cut the ribbons. You mm-hmm. know, they're all standing there with their shovels and hard hats. And it's, you know, the bankers and the investors and the developer and the professionals, whoever you know, that, that kind of traditionally does that stuff, which is great. Everybody plays a role in this. Right. Like, this, you know, doing stuff like this takes a lot of really, really important people. But I felt like Frank Linton w- wanted to honor art and the artist and the creatives, mm-hmm. you know, n- not just the fine artists, but the, 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 the creatives that, you know, I think, made the energy that attracted me here in the first place. So, you know, we made the decision, let, let's have the artist front and center. Right. Let, let's, you know, cut the ribbon. And and I say that not to kind of like, you know, pat myself on the back, but just to kind of highlight that, you know, there's my own internal kind of trust that's going mm-hmm. on here. That's just like yours. Right. And right. that like, you know, we're the same, you know, we, we might come from different backgrounds. We might be doing different things but we're human beings having a similar experience. And the more that we kind of like trust ourselves and connect and, you know, collaborate, it's, it's, it's amazing what's possible. Right. Yep. And, you know, I was, there, there was something I think in the Q and a after, you know, we had yeah. um, Musk and, um, and Tim Ryan and we did the Q and a, and I think that's when, you know, you approached me. It yeah, was, so, the event. You asked a question, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we were partying after the ribbon cutting and then the, the panel starting up. And once again, I was like, I didn't know there was a panel here. I'm so <laughs> aloof. And I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to stick around for it. Yeah. They're, they're, they're feeding me and um, letting me cut the ribbon. <laughs> and I stayed and I can be like kind of antsy before like a, like a panel, something that's going to be long where I have to sit there mm-hmm. and kind of, I'm kind of antsy before I get into it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I make a seat, I sit down and the panel begins. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm loving this. Mm-hmm. Everything they were saying, it felt like it was coming straight to me. I feel like, you know, they were talking about entrepreneurship and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I just was really relating to it. I was really engaging with mm-hmm. it. And I was just so happy to be there. And it's just like, look where, you know, once again, the energy is taking me here. Yeah. These things are not an accident. Yeah. And a part of my thing is if I know that I'm going to like, quote unquote, be lucky and in the right place in the right time, I should be prepared. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, you know, I need to speak up and say something too. I need to engage with them because of how much they're giving me. And it's like, just, you're just thinking this as you're there. It's just mm-hmm. like, you're in your head and, you know, these thoughts are coming quickly and you're you're catching them. Yeah. And you, you now have confidence, it sounds like, to act. Oh, yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're learning that, 
you know, when that stuff comes into your head, which, you know, maybe was the daydream as a kid. Mm-hmm. Now you're like- Maybe it was the daydream during the panel. Right. It could have been the daydream during the panel, but now you're doing something with it. Mm-hmm. You're using it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. in my head, I'm like, I literally have to talk. Yeah. Even if I'm the last person- and I go to ask, I go to ask a question, and then somebody else asks the same question I was going to ask, and I'm like, <laughs> "That's no, great, like, no way." Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you know, I'm trying to think of another question, and somebody else asks something similar while I was going yeah. next, and so uh-huh. I'm like, "Well, at this point, I have to go back to being me because uh-huh. there's got to be a question that only I would ask because you know I'm only myself." Yeah. And I was thinking like, um, like, what do you do when you burnt out? Because me being a full time freelance artist, I like sometimes I have to work harder than reasonable, I yeah. think. And not reasonable, like, you know, you can work as hard as you want, but yeah. and I can stress myself out. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but I I think I remember um, who answered the question and what they said, but um, you tell the story. Do you remember? Yeah, so I asked, what do you do when you get burnt out? Because mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, because we're working all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, friends joke about me not working at all, but I'm like, I'm basically like on call all the time, like a fancy doctor. Mm-hmm. Like whenever opportunity shows up, I have to take it. Mm-hmm. I can't get sick. I have done sick days. Right. And so I, I asked and... Nights, weekends, whatever it yeah. takes, right? Yep. Yeah. And so I asked about that and the response was, who was it that responded? Was it Musk with the, the, the very dapper man with the hat? Yep. That was, and he uh, was like, Kimball Musk. Yep. Yeah. He said that, um, you know, he... He does his cooking stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. He's like, nothing recharges him more than having like a simple cooking for his family at home. Mm-hmm. And I was about to tear up. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's so beautiful. Yeah. And I try, you know, so I'm like, I need to figure out now the gears are turning in my head. What do I do like that? Yeah. And then you hopped in and was like, um, you know, let me know any way I can help you out. That type of deal. Yeah. And he also mentioned like, um, don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Um, you, you're doing good. There's a reason you're here right now. You yeah. have a mural up on the building that we're in. You know, like you're right. doing good enough. You, yeah. And you know, today I re- I shared something I posted a year ago. It was the most important thing I ever posted. And it just said, "Be kind to yourself." Mm. And I struggle with that a lot. Mm. I'm just like that 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 same tenacity that it gets me places. Yeah. Also, is like can hurt me because sure. I just won't give up. I won't stop. Yeah, I want to come back to that and just kind of put the bow on the gravity story mm-hmm. because it was really um, a memorable thing for me, and I don't think. You maybe even know, maybe I told you this before, but I'll tell you again if I if I have. Sorry for uh, repeating myself, but I, I don't think you'll no, mind you're hearing good, you're it. Good. But, you know, it was a really inspiring moment because I didn't know you. Mm-hmm. I appreciated your art. I appreciated you being a part of Gravity. I thought it was fun and awesome to cut that ribbon with you. But then there you were, you had the courage to ask Kimball Musk, you know, the guy in the big cowboy hat, mm-hmm. Elon's brother, he's big dude, uh, successful guy. And Tim Ryan, who at the time is running for president of the United mm-hmm. States, a really, really honest question. And I got to see like, you know, a part of you, like an honest part of you, a part of you that was a human being that, you know, was... Um, struggling with the, you know, part of your work mm-hmm. and being vulnerable enough to share it. And something that, you know, I've also struggled with, I think a lot of people struggle with. And, you know, you put yourself out there in front of this entire room full of people and got some guidance that meant something to you. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it was clear that it meant something to you and it was touching to see 
and inspiring for me to go, you know, at a time where we were just opening the project, like, this is why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. This is exactly it. You know, here is an artist connecting with somebody else that they wouldn't have ever connected with and getting something that's going to move them forward. Uh, And, and seeing that happen, like on day one, really filled me up and Mm. continues to inspire me to uh, make sure that we fulfill on our promise here at Gravity. Yeah, that was, um, and then, so when, um, when you said like, we should do something later, I'm like, cool, cool. In my head, one of the things I tell anybody who wants any unsolicited advice is to follow up with people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we, the panel was over, I shook everybody's hand, said thank you and stuff. And then we talked again briefly. And you're like, yeah, I really do want to, want to work with you or talk to you at least, blah, blah, blah. And once you say that, yeah, I mean, you're going to hear from me. Yeah. Yeah. And you did. You followed up with me. And um, I want to talk about that and where you're focused now and what we're doing together. But, you know, just to back up something you said, you know, you talked about kind of the challenge of having this drive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sometimes it can really... I don't know what you said, kind of maybe pull you down as yeah, much it can as backfire as what, yeah, as well. Yeah. And so just talk a little bit about that because I think that's a, a normal thing that, you know, a lot of people struggle with. Right. Well, you have to sacrifice a lot if you want to do something like follow art or be an entrepreneur or, well, most of the time those things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, it's definitely hurt relationships and friendships at times and not in a malicious way. It's just like you might not have time to do hang out with somebody the way you used to, mm-hmm. or you might. You might not even want to hang out around somebody who's not on the same path as you right now because you have to focus. Yeah. And it's nothing against them or anything. It's just, you know. It's not where you are. Right. You know, it's going to, you're going to do better. Like if you're skateboarding, if you're trying to learn how to skateboard and you skateboard next to other people who are good, you learn twice as fast as somebody mm-hmm. who's skating around by themselves or yeah. something like that. So. And, and you said, you know, you got to be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Which I think is so important. Oh man, that's a, such a tough one for me. I yeah. always be myself. Up. I'm just now starting to just kind of just laugh it all off. I've always been like silly and laughing it all off. But lately I've just been really tech. Like when the failure comes, as, as hard as it comes, I just swing that momentum right back. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's harder for artists? Is there like a, 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 a more judgmental kind of uh, self-critique um, for artists that, that um, I know, you know, I'm painting again and like somebody told me yesterday, actually, I was with a, a guy who paints it here in Franklinton and he was telling me that I should show my art. I said, no way, <laughs> I'm not doing that, you know? And, and because I'm like, I don't know, you know, I don't think it's good, you know? Yeah, I mean, do, is that, is that something you think that's kind of built into the, the artist mentality? For sure. Cause you, you know, especially if you're trying to do better, even like the murals I got here, I look at like, oh, I could have did that just a little bit better. And you know, nobody, yeah. you tell somebody about it, you have to really explain it to somebody for them to be like, oh, I can see that. I guess yeah. you could have, but you know. Yeah, it's, art, it's your own filter. Yeah. yeah, so you're learning. You're learning to kind of go with it a little bit and, mm-hmm. and be a little more gentle and, and kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. I think it's an important learning. Okay, so so yeah, you came up to me at the event and I offered to connect with you and you took me up on it, which, you know, again, I'm going to like highlight that because... I think that's really, really an important lesson for for young people to learn that, you know, people are willing when they say, mm-hmm. well, maybe not all the time, but when they say like, hey, you know, if you want to connect, let me know. 
they mean it. Mm-hmm. And you're sure as hell not going to find out unless you actually follow up with them. They're yeah. probably not reaching out to you to yeah. make that happen. And you did. You followed up with me. We got together. I remember you came to my office and you um, were telling me all the things that you were up to. And, and the way I remember it, I was moved by your story. You talked to me about your mom and dad, your upbringing. Um, I obviously was a fan at this point. And I wasn't exactly sure where you were headed, what mm-hmm. you were really kind of passionate about. And, and, I, and I think I asked you if there was one thing, if you could pick one project, if there was one thing that you could do, what would it be? And I remember you being pretty damn quick and certain with your response. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about you yeah. know, kind of what that is? When you asked me, I, yeah, I probably only t- thought for like a second. I, I knew I, I wanted to make a Space Boy cartoon. Mm-hmm. Space Boy and Space Girl, the characters I created a long time ago. I got like the the tattoo of like the original version mm-hmm. I made of them. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And um, I've been like, it kind of started off like a... Like, um, not conventionally. It started off kind of like character before it had a story. Mm-hmm. It was like a Hello Kitty type thing where you mm. just see the stickers around or the t-shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what it is, but... And how long have you been working with these characters? Probably, it's probably been like seven years now. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I knew I wanted to create a comic character for, for the longest. Mm-hmm. And I kept drawing and I kept making some. I've made some different ones. One had like some afro and some headphones. Mm-hmm. One's a robot named Cochise, mm-hmm. which I've now brought back into Space Boy because mm-hmm. I had the chance because I'm like, man, I miss drawing this. Now right. I got a chance to bring them back. Yeah. And so, so tell, tell everybody, what's the story? When did the story come in to the characters? So the story, probably two years ago, I made like a, my first issue of like a real Space Boy comic. And it's like um, Space Girl came Space Girl came and found Space Boy. He's like stranded on a planet and they fly off into the sky trying to go home and like they're captured by like a villain or something. And that's where the story starts to unfold. Mm-hmm. And so that's the story as far as that comic. But the more I work on the cartoon now, I'm starting to find that there's like, the story's evolving and changing. Mm-hmm. I know when we talked, you were really interested in a part of it where I'll explain it to you. I'll give you a quick synopsis saying they go planet to planet, helping people in need and letting them know we're all similar regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, wherever, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And that kind of fits into my story. Yeah, exactly. And now, but the more I work on it now, it's also about um, Space Boy trying to fulfill his potential. Mm. What that may be, you know, mm. is coming. Mm. Interesting. So it's, it's not only that um, you've got these superheroes that are are teaching lessons mm-hmm. and, and and to to the children to other human beings, but they're also trying to fulfill their own individual possibilities. It's both. Yeah, I think yeah. it's um you know people learn differently. I'm yeah. always a person. I learn more subtly. So you know like. Mm-hmm. Finding Nemo's about um, an overprotective dad, mm-hmm. but the movie's not called Overprotective Dad. Right. It's called Finding Nemo, and they kind of like guide you into it. It's like yeah. the, the putting the medicine in the sugar type deal. Like, yeah. And so I've been trying to really find a way that aligns with my goals and my story yeah. of how to tell, how to teach people with my story. Yeah. So, so this is really my as I said, kind of beliefs, you know, you're living them out. And it's why I am so honored to be a part of this project Mm -hmm. and why it's so important for you to be here today and share your story. Because what I'm hearing you say is that you have taken all of it, all of that learning your entire life 
and you're funneling it into yeah, this, this project. project. Yep. And, and I believe that that experience was there for you to do this. Mm-hmm. And it'll be to there for you to do other things too. But right now, this is the project that most uh, totally encompasses your life experience, which is a very human and, and um, amazing, perfect experience uh, for what it is and for what it's not that others can really learn. And they're going to learn in a way that you learned mm-hmm. when you were a kid. Exactly. You it's know? like full circle. It's full circle. It really is. Yeah. I and mean, this is kind of like an announcement of us working together on the cartoon. I guess it is. Yeah, it I haven't is. done like a formal announcement, but yeah, yeah well, I'm super glad to have to be working with you. Good. Well, we're going to um, figure out how to time all of that with the release of this podcast. Yeah. But um, no, I am too. And it's uh, it's really exciting. I mean, I, I remember when you told me the story, when I kind of challenged you, what's the one thing that you wanted to do? And you shared it with me. It hit me. It was like, this is freaking amazing. Like, I really, really um, totally believed in it. And mm. I believe that, you know, this is the perfect time for these kind of stories to be told. The way television is going, the way, mm-hmm. you know, people are accessing content and the way the stories are being told, I think it's the perfect time to return to comics and to, you know, um, animation and everything that Space Boy and Space Girl are going to become. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. I'm really like, what this turned into, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've done has been so DIY Mm -hmm. and it's been so like gorilla and me not having enough resources. And now like working with you, I'm getting an opportunity to do something with the proper amount of resources. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, I'm excited. On the other hand, I'm kind of nervous because typically no matter what I do, it's an achievement because I didn't have the means to do it. Yeah. So now I really got to put like, show my metal. I got to really show some gusto. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, I, I appreciate you saying that because it means that you take it seriously. It means that you care. And, you know, I will tell you that, and I've told you this before, you know, that part of my reason for doing it is not just because I believe in you and I believe in this project, but it's because I want to have you be treated the way that I think um, you should be in the way that you will be most successful, which is part of how we are investing in other people. Mm-hmm. We're giving them the the love and the unconditional support and the tools that have been helpful to us along the way. And rather than breathe down their back and tell them, you know, where is it? When's it going to be done? How much is it going to make us, Mm -hmm. you know, and being kind of, you know, pounding our chest and pushing you in a way that makes you feel, you know, motivated, but, but not really Mm -hmm. not sustainable. Um, We want you to be here for the long haul. We want you creating from your essence and we want to just be as supportive as humanly possible as you do you. Um, that shows and it definitely makes, it puts me in a comfortable space to just, to just sit and write on a project. Like yeah. it's rarely for me, especially being more of like a visual artist, like, you know, you get the project, you create the project, you try to sell it, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm able to just sit down for a day and type yeah. and daydream yeah, and type. Yeah. And then kind of spin around in my chair for a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, and then like the, I'm finding that childhood wonder again. I'm back on the farm trying to find, I'm trying to create a cartoon for Hakeem on the farm to watch. Yeah. While he's bored and be like, 
you know, something to spark his imagination too. Yeah. And, and, and this is your life, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting paid to do this. Right. You know, you're daydreaming for a living and, and it's like, it's, wow. Like looking back down on all those rungs of the ladder. Right. It's like, wow. I'm like, yeah. and then this isn't the end of it either. It's not, it's not. And there's so much more to go and be kind to yourself along the way. And yeah. as you know, I'm here for you. And, and another big part of why I knew I wanted to work with you is that first time we met, we only, we on the podcast so far, we've only talked about the part that was business oriented, but mm-hmm. the most of the time we just talked about life. And most of the time that you've talked to me in general, you've always checked in on me first and asked mm-hmm. how I'm doing. Or if you notice I'm feeling, I might be feeling type of way, you're like, are you good? Or is mm-hmm. this something I can help you with? You know, most of the time we talk does not relate to business, yeah. but we do get the business done too. Yeah. And it makes me feel like, you know, like a friend and a partner. Yeah. Well, that's, that feeling's mutual. And that's why I ask those questions because I actually care about you. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's the most important part. It's a lot of good ideas and there's a lot of talented people, mm-hmm. but I believe that the ones that are good um, the ones that are um, taking care of themselves, the one that, ones that are getting the right support and help and love that they need are the ones that are really in the end, in the end, going to come out on top. And that doesn't mean necessarily make the most money or have mm-hmm. the most success, but they're going to be healthy. They're not going to be addicts. They're not going to be dying too soon. They're mm-hmm. not going to be, you know, in abusive relationships or, you know, screwing up their families or whatever. I hope we do big things. I think we're going to do oh, big for things. Sure. But, and I think this is the way to do it. Yep. You know, but, but even if we don't get all the way to the top of the ladder, mm-hmm. I think you as a man, you know, is where my passion really lies. And um, anyway, thank you for coming here. Before we wrap up, um, anything that you want to tell the audience, where to find you, final thoughts, any of that good social media fun stuff. Um, I'm at Hakeem's Art and Stuff on everything. I'm sure like um, on the post or something, it'll have that. It's probably the easiest way to find me is like on Instagram or Facebook or something, Hakeem Callwood. Yeah. Um, I, you know, most of my time is worked up into this project, but I'm still like, if the project's right, I'm still working on other stuff as well, especially community involved stuff. And, good. you know, just... Super thankful to be here. I feel like one of the fancy peoples now. <laughs> well, that's the point, you know. You um, you are one of the fancy people, you know, and nice. and in, in, in your own way. And you know, we want to make sure that those stories get told on the same platform as as everybody else's. So yeah, uh, I think if I was to leave off with anything, I would just be to be kind to yourself and yeah. to not give up. Yeah, good. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. I (laughs) promise you, it will make you so much more money. Yeah. Hakeem, thanks for being here, man. (laughs) I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at The Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak.